there's just not enough reach in that $5 a day for Facebook to optimize the way that I want it to. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, Episode 9. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. It's Monday, which means, I feel like I should go, it's Monday, it's four o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's Monday, how are you? Very well, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really excited for this interview today, because we're going to be talking to the main man, David Schloss, aren't we? Yeah, this is a chap I met in Dublin a few years ago. Uh, he was speaking at an event about Facebook advertising and webinars, and I didn't know how much, th- how many things about Facebook I didn't know. It's funny, isn't it? One of the things about Facebook is it's really easy to get so confused. Everyone's talking about Facebook advertising. Most people are having a go at it, and a lot of people are losing a lot of money at it. And one of the things I think that's really interesting that David is going to talk about in this interview is how he actually structures those ads, and then also how he figures out his spending. Very, very interesting. I think the problem with Facebook is there's so many moving parts uh, that it's easy to know, get lost in the campaigns and the ads and the ad sets and the images and the, the bidding and all of that stuff. I don't know about you, but I just seem to focus on like, what does my image look like? And what does my, what does my copy look like? And then I sort of set it and hope it's going to work. And if it doesn't, I go, well, that sucked. And then I walk away and cry. I think what's bit. good about this is that David's going to give some real insight into how to actually test that stuff and what order to do things in. Uh, And there's a lot of stuff here specifically to do with selling stuff on webinars via Facebook ads. So there's a lot of stuff going to be covered here. So So if you're doing any webinars, if you're selling anything via like one of those webinar things, whether they're they're live webinars or they're those evergreen sort of perpetual webinars, which are ever so popular these days, aren't they? You're going to get a load out of this, aren't they? Absolutely. And even if you're not doing webinars, there's a ton of stuff to do with Facebook in general that's really going to be helpful. You're going to learn a ton of stuff. Let's get into it. So, hey, David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us, man. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Really looking forward to this. So I want to dive straight in because I think there's a lot of like misconceptions and mistakes that people make when it comes to running ads into webinars. So what would you say is the biggest mistake that you see all of the time with people's Facebook ads campaigns and webinars? A lot of people believe that it's the ad problem when it comes to them not getting conversions on their webinar, when in reality... It's the webinar that has a problem. And so people quit too soon on campaigns on the ad side, thinking that it's the ads that aren't generating the quality customers that they want and that it's nothing wrong with the webinar. They recorded it one time. Everything's perfect because they don't, they really just don't want to record it again. They don't want to believe that they spent 60, 90, 120 minutes doing this webinar and that people just don't align with the message that they're delivering on the webinar. And so they give up on the ads too soon because they could be one ad creative, one piece of copy, one audience away from getting a $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 customer. But they are putting all the blame or all of the, let's say, lack of results on just the ad campaign versus looking at the bigger picture. It can be really tricky, can't it? Because obviously in any funnel, there are lots of elements and you have to deal with, are the ads doing well? Is the targeting of the ads, is, is it the creative? Is it the copy? And then you've got the, the sign-up page itself. Are they actually converting into those leads who are signing up to that webinar? And then you've got the webinar and doing its job properly. And then, of course, there's the follow-up. There's lots of things. And I think it's very easy for someone to just point the finger at like an agency or whoever's running their ads for them saying, your ads suck. I mean, it's just too easy, isn't it? Yeah, that's usually the first line of defense is the client going to the agency saying your ads aren't working. Because like I said, it's, it's like a form of delusion. They don't want to believe that what they've created is the culprit for not getting sales. Right. And a lot of clients are just in this state of mind that they do things once or twice and that's it. 
it's perfect. They don't have to touch it ever again. Hmm. And that's where a lot of mistakes are made because I'm changing ads all the time. I'm changing the creative, the copy, the audiences. I'm adding audiences together. I'm separating them apart and I'm spending all this money and we're not looking at the source of where people are getting this information and deciding on whether or not they want your product. And that's the webinar. And so most people stop at that point of analyzing their webinar, analyzing the follow-up, and they don't look at those numbers as the end-all be-all of like whether or not the funnel is actually converting. They look at the ads and just the ads as you're not delivering the customers I want. You're not even delivering the leads that I want. And because of that, it's your fault this isn't working. And yeah. so they go from ad manager to ad manager and have the same problem. Right. And do you think one of the reasons for that, David, could be that the ads might be the only thing they're outsourcing? So it is shifting that blame because they're often doing the, building the, the opt-in page and they're often building the entire webinar content themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, that, like you say, it's that delusion of themselves saying, well, everything I did is perfect. So the only reason they're blaming the third party because that's the only thing they're not doing themselves. Do you think that's one of the reasons? That's usually it. It's because of this... I, you know, I, I have the same sort of complex, so to speak, where it's, if I'm not doing it, then it's not perfect, <laughs> right? So it's a lot easier to go to someone else who's working on another piece of your funnel, whether it's the ads or the actual funnel itself, and putting the blame on that person. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while before I realized that, you know, I could be the source of the issue too, especially from an ad standpoint where, you know, whenever I create an ad, I usually would say, oh, dad's perfect. It's going to work. And then every once in a while, it doesn't. And then I would go to the client and say, no, 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 it's your funnel. So it's a, it's a, it's a back and forth of we have to just be neutral with each other from an advertiser to the client and understand this could all be wrong. The whole thing could be broken. And so we have to look at it from, you know, step A to step Z and look at where within this process are just people not aligning with the message. Is it the advertising? Is it the webinar? Are they dropping off? Are they not opening your emails? Are people just not visiting your sales page? Like there's all sorts of elements, like you said, to analyze, but it's very easy to put the blame on the ads because it's the first thing that most people outsource is the ads because they just don't want to go into Facebook and learn all the language and all the new privacy policy stuff. And they don't want to do the research. So they think, oh, this is the most difficult part of the whole process. Let me dump it off to someone else. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think, I think it is just human nature. So when we're looking at putting some ads out ourselves, how do we even begin to figure out our ad budget? So we might look at it and go, oh, I'm going to try and run some ads to this thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to run a webinar. How do we figure out what our ad budget should be for our, our new campaign? And basically, what are the numbers that we need to know? And what's the formula? How do we figure that bit out? Sure. So it depends on the, I'll just say the size of the team. And this is what I mean. If you are a one man or one woman operation, it's very easy for you to be, you know, very picky with the amount of money you're going to spend because you're just one person, right? So I look at it this way because a lot of high, uh, a lot of people these days are selling high ticket offers, right? A thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollar offers, usually the most common. If you are selling something that is, let's say, two thousand dollars, your initial test budget should be the equivalent of what you're selling. So it's two thousand dollars. That's your initial budget. Because all it takes is one customer and you break even, right? You at least break even on the front end, so to speak. I know there's time and a bunch of other things involved, but from a you know, money in, money out standpoint, you break even. And so if you're spending $10,000, it's probably because you have a $10,000 offer. You got a $5,000 offer, it's going to be $5,000. That's the way that I look at it for you know, solopreneurs. You know, now, if your offer is 500 bucks, I typically would tell you to spend $1,000 at least. That seems to be the benchmark for a lot of people. It's, 
at least try out a thousand bucks and see what you can do because you're going to have to test out at least 10 or 20 audiences. You're going to have to test out two or three different creatives. By the time you do that, you've spent a thousand dollars. And so I look at a thousand dollars as a benchmark, but if your product is much higher than that in value, you should be spending the equivalent value of your product in your advertising, at least on your own, because that knowledge that you're gaining in targeting these different audiences and trying out the different language and different cop, uh, different sort of imagery and copy combinations is going to make it easier for you to then go to someone like me and say, here's all the stuff I've already tried. This one worked. This stuff didn't. Don't do this stuff anymore. So it makes the process a lot easier for me to jump in, know what's already working, feed off that and scale five times faster than before. I think that's an amazing starting point for somebody who's coming into this and says, I just need to spend some money and I don't know how much I should be expecting to spend. If they can sit there and know that their theoretical worst case scenario is they can be aiming for break even on that first run out. That's really cool. Obviously, as we talked about, there's all these different moving parts of, of running a webinar and there's, there's two different sides to this. Some people give away the replay of the webinar. So if you, you know, register for the webinar and you don't attend, then a couple of days later or the day later, you receive the replay. Other people have the opposite, which is they say there's no replay. Instead, uh, they invite people to attend the live event. So they're going to force you to attend live one way or the other if you want to see the content. What's your opinion on these different things and what's worked best for you or your client? This is more of an ad budget strategy. So I've worked with people who deliver the replay for free. That's probably 90% of the people who run webinars, right? And then the other 10% are the big spenders. They're the ones who are going to force you to watch the webinar a second time or possibly register for it a second time. What they are creating by doing that is a sense of commitment, right? They want you to at least micro commit to showing up. And by you making that commitment, you will eventually show up whether you sign up for the second, third, fifth time and then watch that webinar because they know that by you attending it, quote unquote, live, most of the time it's not live, that by you showing up at that moment, 7 p.m. on a Thursday, that you will have a higher likelihood of buying. And because of that, they will continually make sure that you register over and over and over. But like I mentioned, that's based on people who typically are spending quite a bit of money to acquire their customers. These are the same people that are willing to spend, let's say $3,000 to acquire a $2,000 customer because they know that that $2,000 customer is going to buy their $10,000 package 60 days from now. So they're willing to even lose money on the front end because they know the back end is where they're going to make their money. Whereas the replay people, the ones who are sending out the replay for free, whether it's through email, maybe they're doing some retargeting ads, you name it, all sorts of ways to tell people, hey, the replay is now open. What you're fighting against is getting people still to watch the webinar, right? Because you're sending them straight to the page. They've already registered. They know they've registered because they've had all these follow-up emails, but there's still no way of forcing that person to sit through an hour to two hour presentation and then commit to buying something from you. And that's where I typically would tell people, if you're going to do a replay, you need to put some sort of deadline on people. And you could do all this through your advertising. You can cut out people who have been a part of an audience of, let's say, replay viewers for a certain amount of time and then make sure they never see the replay again. That's the same intention you would have if you were going to do a live webinar and then close down your promotion on a Monday, right? You do your live webinar on Thursday, replay goes out Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday you're going to close down. It's the last opportunity for them to really watch it. And then Monday at you know 12.01 a.m., everything's closed. You have to take that same approach with your advertising because otherwise you're just spending money on getting people to that page and they're never going to commit to watching it until it's absolutely certain they have nothing else in the way. And that could be 
21 days from now. That could be 40 days from now. But because you didn't put a deadline on them, they didn't make the time to watch your presentation. So you're just going to keep spending money on showing that same ad or that same page to them over and over, and they may just never decide to watch it. And so you have to make a decision. Are you going to push people to go and watch your replay using maybe deadline funnel or some sort of other software that could cookie people into only seeing a page for a certain amount of time? Or are you going to be someone like, um, I'll just name Sam Ovens, who I know personally sends people back and forth through the same registration page until you watch the presentation. And he will make sure you never see a replay. You actually sit down and watch the damn thing. And so you know, the approaches work differently for different people. I personally use the replay method because I use my advertising to influence what they see. Do you see the replay? Do you see a shortened condensed version of maybe like a VSL instead of the replay? Because if you're not going to sit and watch an hour long presentation, maybe you'll watch a 20 minute condensed version instead. I think there's something really interesting to take out of that. I, I suppose it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, somebody who's new and starting out and a bit worried about spending a million dollars or you know spending loads of money might be better off to actually just start off by sending out the replay. If you've got a bit more money to spend or you know that your offer converts and you, you kind of, you're happy to throw some more money at it, then obviously you might be better to push people back through the life thing. Also, the other thing I took out of that I think is interesting is the idea that it, it's not an it's not just a case of there's just a replay and nothing else. You were saying there, you know, if maybe somebody's watched enough of, uh, and, you know, somebody turned up and watched some of the webinar, you might just send them a shortened sales video, um, which might be enough to push them over the edge and make the buying decision rather than having to watch through the whole replay of the whole thing again. Some really interesting stuff in there. Yeah, it is really interesting. So I think we sort of keep talking and going back to the ad budget thing. And there's, as far as I know, there's two distinct schools of thought about scaling ad budgets. So yeah, we talked about what to start out, I start out with. But in terms of scaling them, how does that work? One, one school of thought that I've heard of, David, is that you start with like a really small ad budget, see what mm-hmm. works, test lots of stuff, and then ramp it up. Like I saw some people teaching, they would start with like $5 on, like, on a blog post and push that out and then see if that works and scale it up. Whereas I've seen other people say, well, actually you need to start and give fa- start off by giving Facebook a really big budget so it can collect as much data as, possibly, as possible and then figure things out. What Mm -hmm. is your strategy? What do you think works best? So personally, I've done both, right? I've done the $5 a day approach and I've done the, let's say $50 a day per audience approach, right? Even higher than that. Mm -hmm. And if this was two, three years ago, I would have said, start with the $5 a day, right? Because Facebook had less of a push pull effect on who is seeing the ads, how frequently they're going to see it. There weren't that many advertisers as there is today. And so When I start something at $5 a day, unless it's a very broad audience, I'm talking one, two, five million people in an audience at a given time, that $5 is not going to be spent nearly as well as a ad that's, let's say in the, uh, it's set to 25 bucks a day. And even if the audience is, let's say 400,000 people, that ad is going to spend much more frequently. It's going to find the individuals I'm looking for in possibly buying a product or opting in for a webinar, and it's going to optimize a lot more efficiently than the $5 a day budget because there's just not enough reach in that $5 a day for Facebook to optimize the way that I want it to, which is to hit 50 conversion events as soon as possible so that it can optimize a lot faster within the algorithm. That's Facebook's benchmark. 50 conversions could be 50 people that view a a product page on an e-commerce site. It could be 50 people who've registered for a webinar and it could be 
you know, 50 people who decided to hit your registration page and you're optimizing for just people landing on your registration page. But most people in the webinar case are going to want to optimize for registrations. And so $5 a day, unless you're getting, you know, pennies per registration is not going to optimize fast enough so that Facebook can consistently send you leads every single day. And so I start a lot of my ads at the lowest 25 bucks a day. That's the lowest I start. But most nowadays, and even this morning when I was setting up some ads, a lot of the ad sets are starting out at either 50 or or $100 a day. Now, of course, not everyone could start out that way. If you have a budget of 1000 bucks, you know, 100 bucks a day at one audience is going to, you know, you're going to dry up in 10 days. If you're going to test out five audiences and they're all $100, well, you're going to run out of budget in two days. So you have to adjust your daily budget according to what it is you plan to spend over a seven day, 14 day, 30 day period. If you have a sizable enough budget, and when I mean sizable, it's anything above, let's say $7,500 a month, you could start setting up ad sets at $50 a day, $75 a day. And what you'll notice is you'll find winners a lot faster. After one day of testing, you could start to cut off audiences or cut off ad sets of different images and different copy that aren't working. And so you'll find your winners after, in my belief, around 72 hours, three days, is when you start to find your, your golden nuggets of ads. It's the ones where you've deployed you know, 20 or 30 different ad sets and you have four or five of those that are just cranking away, delivering the cheapest leads, or maybe they're delivering you purchases that you wouldn't have found if you were driving your ads to $5 a day budgets. And so I like to start out a bit higher. You don't have to be dramatic and start out at 500 a day, 250 a day. You could start out at 25 or you can go up to 50. I, I tend to use 50 quite a bit. Give that a shot and you'll start to notice your winners are appearing in your campaigns a lot faster. That's amazing. This is really interesting. One of the things you've talked about is, you know, different audiences, different ad sets and, and what the budget would be, you know, $50 per ad set. Could you give us a quick breakdown of what you would consider to be the ideal campaign structure in terms of obviously your campaign goal is to get people to register for webinars. We know that within that, yeah. you're going to have your ad sets of different audiences. And then within that, you've got obviously different images and different copy. And I think that confuses a lot of people. Is there mm -hmm. a sort of a rule of thumb you can give us as to what that structure should look like? Yeah. So it, it's going to vary based on the way that you see your advertising. So this is what I mean. There are other advertisers out there that say you need to adjust your copy before you adjust your creative. I'm the other way around. I'm the one who writes copy once or twice. Let's say I'll have something that's short form and long form, but I'll be rotating the different images over and over until I find the one or two images that work with either the long or short form copy. Because what I find on Facebook is more and more people are paying attention to the creative itself than the actual copy. Your headline can close people into clicking. Your long form story is only being read by those who are willing to sit down and read that actual ad. Those are going to be your most qualified people. But what grabbed their attention in the first place was your headline and your image. And so those are the two things that I typically am changing more often than the full length copy that you see above the image in an ad. And so when I'm creating a campaign, I call this the one by one by three process. So my, my students are basically creating one campaign with one ad set. Usually that ad set is just one audience, right? So just to be uh, very basic here, let's say your audience is marketing. You want to target people in the marketing space. And then that's one audience in that one ad set. You set it to 50 bucks a day and in the location you're targeting, in my case, it'd be the U.S., and then within that ad set, you're going to have three variations of an ad. But in this 
ad set, you want to make sure that you focus on at least one form of copy. So let's say in this case, I'm going to use the long form piece of copy that I wrote, but I'm going to have three different pieces of creative. So it could be three different, uh, one video with three different thumbnails. It could be three different images. It could be the same image, but each one of the images have like a different call to action within it. The point is, is that it's the creative that's being swapped out three separate times. And now if I wanted to test a short form piece of copy, I would duplicate that same ad set, same audience, but instead I would swap out the long form copy, replace it with the short form and do the same process again. All three of those ads have the same piece of copy, but they have three different pieces of creative. And so I go through that process over and over. And what I typically find myself doing is rotating creative far more than copy. I don't have to worry about the copy until I've already had, let's say, five to 10 winning pieces of creative. And then I can go back and say, now I'm going to test out different types of copy because I already know the five to 10 images that are getting all the clicks, all the registrations, all the purchases. Now I could start working on the story. I could start working on the call to actions. So I do it in a completely opposite way than most advertisers. It's really fascinating. And one of the things we've really focused on here is how to get people to register in the first place for a webinar. But Mm -hmm. I was wondering, one of the biggest things we have once someone registers for the webinar is getting them to show up. And we all have our own strategies that we use to do that. We certainly have ours. I know you have some yourself. How do or can, I suppose, Facebook ads actually play some kind of part in increasing attendance on webinars? So this is where you have to have custom audiences set up all throughout your funnel. Most people are only setting up the event conversion. So for example, the events being a page view, a lead or or registration in this case, and a purchase or an add to cart. Those are like the most common. But what most people don't set up are the URL specific custom audiences, meaning people who've landed on a live page, the people who've actually watched the webinar in real time, or maybe they're watching an evergreen webinar. So this is the page that's considered the live room. You have a page where it's the replay room or the, or the replay page that comes after you've done your live presentation. You have people who've landed on a VSL, people who've come from your email sequence and maybe gone to a custom page that's only being delivered through email. All these different pages that you've created in this funnel have their own custom audience. And what I typically find is If you, let's say, pixel every person who's landed on your replay page, you are creating that audience of people who've obviously landed there and have either watched or have not watched the the webinar itself. So you can create advertising around, did you watch the replay? Or advertising around, hey, you've already seen the replay, but you haven't bought. So now you can create different language to these people. And how how else can you do that? Let's say someone landed on the replay page and clicked over to the VSL or maybe to your cart you can create a hybrid custom audience of people who visited the replay page and visited the cart. So now you can create ad messaging just to those people. Hey, I noticed you watched the replay. You looked into buying our course, but you didn't. And then you might have a video that answers a common uh, objection that maybe they might've had in their mind that pushed them away from buying your course. So you can customize the messaging to people who've done different actions in your funnel. And so instead of just keeping it basic, which is what most people do is I'm just going to re- you know, send the replay out. I'm going to say, hey, I noticed that you registered, but you didn't watch this. Like that's basic and you have to do it anyway. But when you take it a step further, you know, people who've registered, watched the replay and didn't buy. People who've watched the replay and didn't visit the VSL. The people who visited the VSL and didn't make it to the cart. Like now you're looking at micro messaging for each little step that could be possible. And what you'll notice is your conversions will go up 
when you're answering the common questions that they're just not asking out loud. These are things they're thinking in their mind. You know, oh, I don't think I'm ready for this course. I don't think I can afford this. I don't know if I can do the same results as the, per- as the person you talked about on the webinar, right? These are all the common objections that just go on in people's minds that move them away from making a decision in purchasing a product. So now you can create those ads that answer those questions and deliver them to the people who, by clicking on different elements in your funnel, seem to be experiencing those same thoughts and beliefs. So the ones who are on, let's say, the replay page again and then go to your VSL, they've obviously expressed some sort of interest, but they didn't get to the cart. Why is that? There's probably something going through their mind that pushed them away from buying. So you should be creating an ad towards those people about the buying decision, why they should look into investing in themselves, why they should look into this product, what it's done for your business and what it's done for other people. And you'll notice your conversions will go up when you start thinking this way. It's amazing. It shows there's a lot more elements to this than just having a registration page, the page where the webinar happens, and then a replay page when you look at everything else. That's really amazing insight. Obviously, one of the things about this is Facebook ad strategies are always changing. And it seems like everyone's got a $7 course on the latest stuff. And of course, that stuff rapidly goes out of date. Now, Facebook kind of do publish what's going on and they tell you a bit about you know their new stuff, but it's always going to be a bit dry and a bit hard for us to understand unless we're genius marketers. So what would you say are some kind of reliable resources like blogs or whatever that will allow us to keep up to date with what is really working in Facebook? Yeah. So, you know, social media examiner has always been on the top of keeping things up to date with what's going on across multiple networks. So the great thing about their site is whenever Facebook goes through an update, they'll also sort of compare what's going on in other networks. So when Facebook makes a change, they'll also talk about did Pinterest make a change? Did Twitter make a change? Did LinkedIn make a change? And that's great for you to know because then you could see the flip side of that where let's say LinkedIn made a change to their privacy policies or to their algorithm. You can then watch as to whether or not Facebook is reacting to that because there might be news a day or so or a week later that Facebook's responding to a change that another network has made. So you're able to see what's going on in like the whole social advertising ecosystem by following that one site, because they talk about every network, you know, Snapchat, Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, like they talk about everything. So it's good to just be aware of it all. Now you can go to more, you know, big time advertising sites like Ad Age or Ad Week and, and really get a feel for what's going on in the advertising industry, because then they don't just talk about policy changes in Facebook or algorithm changes. They talk about like internal things going on in Facebook that may have affected why a decision was made right? Did a CMO leave? Did a CFO leave? Did someone get brought over from another company into Facebook? Because when those sort of things happen, you start to notice different areas within Facebook change rather quickly. You know, a couple years ago, there was maybe an algorithm change every quarter. And so you would factor in your ads not performing for maybe three to five days. This year, there's been changes almost every week. So it's hard to, to, to determine, is it an algorithm change? Is it a privacy policy change? Did something go on internally at Facebook that we're just not aware of? Did they update the website? Like you have no idea anymore because they're making changes all the time. And so you just have to follow these major news outlets when it comes to like the ad, the ad industry, or you have to follow sort of like the micro blogs, like a social media examiner, social media week, social media today, where they talk about just social in general, but you could start to correspond different elements of Facebook and other networks and seeing where they're sort of competing against each other and why they're making those changes uh, so quickly. That's fascinating. Thank you so much for that insight. That's great. Really good resources there. We're going to now enter what we lovingly refer to as the quick fire round. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? 
make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So first of all, David, what was a, what would be a book you'd recommend? So I recently read a book called Principles by Ray Dalio. Really awesome book. It's more pertaining to financials and, and investing than it is uh, advertising, but it's great to understand the principal mind and how he goes about allocating money towards different portions of you know, his business, his personal life. And it's really all about sustainability and growth versus just, you know, most people in business today just blow their money on materialistic things. I've looked at it as a book to really look and invest into for my long-term growth and sustainability than, you know, just banking on the moment and driving a Lamborghini I shouldn't be driving. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Can you give us a top success habit, something you do either daily or weekly? Sure. So on a daily basis, um, I pretty much wake up around the same time every day. Uh, usually around you know seven a m uh, mountain time, and I focus the first thirty minutes of my day on just meditation don 't look at my phone i don 't go to my whiteboard i don 't turn on my project management system. I just meditate there's different ways to meditate, and for some people like me it 's really just a matter of being in a quiet environment and sitting with my thought with my thoughts i 'll just sit on my couch, cross my legs, and just let my thoughts go off because what ends up happening is I'll come up with ideas, being there for 30 minutes, not writing anything down, you know, just being there, being 100% present with myself and being dead silent. Typically, it's something ends up coming up for the day or for the week that I end up wanting to accomplish all because it came up during that 30 minute meditation on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning. Yeah, I just start off on a really good note. I don't let anything pull me down. It's very rare that I wake up mad or sad or anything like that because I start my day clean. That's great. And who is it you look up to? I look up to my parents. My parents have been very hard workers since, I mean, day one. Uh, my mom was a nurse. My dad was a lawyer. So, you know, I had the, the, I just call them like the stereotypical sort of like family where it's like they have the two jobs that a lot of people strive to be, you know, whether it's a doctor or a nurse, it's like in the medical field and in law. But my dad has always taught me how to ask questions, ask the right questions, sometimes even ask the wrong questions to see what comes up, right? Because, you know, lawyers are all about just digging, digging and digging, sometimes pissing you off and really just trying to find more information about whatever it is they're striving to understand. You know, I learned quite a bit of like mental focus and, and really just understanding the, you know, the, the human mind from my father. And then my mom taught me a lot about like hard work, uh, being loyal to your following or loyal to the people who've helped you out. And also just being a very relationship oriented person, you know, because as a nurse, she was always meeting new people, but taking care of them. And so a lot of how I operate my business is revolved around meeting people and how am I going to take care of them. And in my case, my way of taking care of them is by running ads and helping them grow their business so that they can enjoy the life that they always dreamed of because of the additional success that I've helped them achieve. Speaking of success, how do you define success? Being able to do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want and have no one tell you otherwise. I didn't feel that sort of success until about four or five years ago when I finally woke up, came to an idea that I felt was worthy of tackling, and then it led to the business that I have today. All right, David. So tell us the truth. Who do you like more, Rob or Kennedy? Well, I've met Rob in person. So by default, I'm going to have to go with him. There we go. That's 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 that should be enough to put anybody off. (laughs) Surely. And finally... Where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, So two places that I'm commonly at, you can go to facebook.com slash S-C-H-L-O-S-S-Y. That takes you directly to my profile. Uh, I answer all my messages. So if you want to chat with me about 
doing business together, any projects, things of that nature, just send me a message and I'll make sure to get back to you. Or you can go to my website, convertroi.com or email me at david at convertroi.com and we can discuss, um, you know, just any project that you may have in mind or any sort of advertising you want to tackle. Amazing. We'll link to, uh, we'll link to both of those things uh, in the show notes, which you will be able to find over at blog.responsesuite.com. Amazing, dude. Thank you so much for your insights. I know there's a ton of value there that people are going to be able to take away. So thank you for sharing that. Well, there you have it. The secret to making bajillions of dollars using webinars and Facebook ads. I can feel them just growing in my back garden just by listening to this episode. It's one of those things where I think when you listen to somebody like David, you realize the difference between people who really take their business seriously and people who are just having a go. So there's a lot of people who, who won't even have any idea that you have to have all these different things in place, all these contingencies. It's the thing we've talked about on the Response Week blog before, this contingency marketing thing. Yeah. But this idea of, well, if somebody watches that much of the replay, then you want to show them this sales video because they've seen a lot of the stuff already and all these different routes that people can take. It's amazing when you listen to it. You go, oh my God, I never would have thought of that. And I think one of the things that really made me appreciate is how much more time we should be spending on fine-tuning that marketing rather than going, Phew that little thing didn't work. Let's now create a new product with a new ad and, and start from scratch and on this perpetual newness. And rather than do that, you know, stick that same product there. And that's one of the things we're becoming better and better at all the time here at Response Suite is we have our product. We have a phenomenal survey platform for marketers and our key thing we have to do is figure out lots of ways of letting people know about it and showing them how it really can help them by putting different things at the front end rather than just going, oh, well, that was, didn't do as well as it could have or oh, have we maximized the sales from that route or have we maximized the sales of this product and instead saying, hey, there's different ways of pushing people through into the front end of this because you can't, you can't really ever oversell something to everybody. Yeah, big takeaway for me from David's interview was the uh, the one by one by one one by one by three grid yes. that he talked about, and also the idea. And it's sort of how I've always kind of inherently thought about it anyway. But if you've got a thing that's two thousand dollars, then if you aim to spe- spend two thousand dollars and generate a two thousand dollars sale, then happy days. That's a good starting point. That was really specific. What's really nice is with a lot of these interviews, as you know, dear listener, that we're really getting people to talk about the specifics. They're not saying, well, it depends on your budget. No, we're really getting down the nitty gritty of, well, this is how much you could spend. So you can figure that out. And this is intel in this interview today from somebody who's responsible for spending millions of dollars per month on Facebook on behalf of clients in a whole range of different things. So he is seeing results left, right, and center and tweaking them and seeing the impact of those things. He knows stuff. So this is not, uh, this is, this is not the end of the road though. We're going to be back next week with another phenomenal interview we're going to be back with you it's an unusual one for you next week it's about really understanding yourself and how you can figure out how to tap into elements of yourself to get more done to be more productive and do more of the stuff you want to do as an entrepreneur i'm really looking forward to it i'm really into that understand me and figure out what i suck at so i can become better at it or or better still just oh i can tell you I can tell you what you suck at, loads of things. That's <laughs> true. It is true. All right, that's it for another week. But if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, The Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. You can do that on your most favoritest of podcast players. And of course, you can follow us over on social media. Just search for Response Suite on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll keep you fully up to date with everything that's going on. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.